What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita, back here for our 2022. We're kicking off our 2022 MLB preview series. I know a lot of people enjoyed these over the last few years. Uh, back when this podcast started, it was just Jordan Morandini and I doing a three-hour-long uh, MLB season preview and then decided, you know what, let's break this up division by division, talk about each team uh, and, you know, spend about an hour on each division. And you guys can pick and choose which divisions you want to listen to and hopefully listen to all of them. Uh, but this is this is it. We're getting going. And it's going to be – spring training's a little different this year. It's a bit of a whirlwind We've got our collective bargaining agreement in place just a couple weeks ago. So everything is just kind of jam packed. I was at at last no two weeks ago now that week, right after the deal got done, I was at Orlando and I did two days at Disney and then I spent two days driving all the way home by myself with my dog. So I wasn't able to get started on this until now, really. Uh, but we're going to get going on this here. And uh, so, yeah, be on the lookout for the other five preview podcasts. We have some great guests coming up on those as well. Uh, I think the AL East one might be the next one or NL East. I don't know. Uh, we've got some great guests lined up. I can share those in a little bit. But we're also uh, in the thick of things when it comes to college basketball right now. We're taping this on March 26th, 2022. Sweet 16 just ended Elite Eight games uh, today. It's been a remarkable tournament. So I'm going to encourage you all, if you guys enjoy today's show and you want some more college basketball, and then, of course, our MLB preview content, subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you are listening to this podcast. Hit subscribe, leave a five-star review, and, uh, yeah, you don't want to miss out on what we got coming out. This is really the best time of year. Uh, we've got a big time, uh, great guest coming up uh, for our recap of all things college basketball this weekend. I'll, I'll reveal who that is in a second. But for now, I want to bring in our guest for today. As always, our AL West correspondent, our chief meteorologist of the Jack Vita show and official game show host of the Jack Vita <laughs> show. Welcome back, Anthony France. Oh, and of course. Rangers diehard. How are you today? I'm good, Jack. I am excited for the season. You know, it was a little scary there for a second with the lockout. I'm glad we got to reach a deal. I'm glad we're playing baseball here in just 12 days from when we're recording this. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited. You have the whiteboard behind you for those yep. who are watching us live on Twitter. It says 12 <laughs> days to opening day. I'm, were you... Were you fearful that this deal was not going to get done at any point i mean i'm sure I, you probably I, don't were. I, I don't think i was fearful that it wasn't going to get done but i was fearful that we were going to have a bigger delay to the season or a shortened season uh because that seemed like a real possibility we're going to cancel 30 40 50 games or something i'm glad that's not happening we're playing a full 162 just a week late i'm happy honestly anthony i figured the players would eventually come to their senses and take a deal because there's a lot more for them to lose than the owners. The owners are, yeah, you know what? Maybe you lose some games, but they're billionaires. There's right. so many guys in this league where 
this is it for them where the, the common common guy in this league might have four years, five years mm-hmm. backup catcher. Who's going to make 710 K this year. And right. he's going to have four years, five years to just make as much of that as he can. And then that's it. And I think those guys were like, what the heck, bro, we need to get this deal done. So I felt pretty confident that we would get to something at some point, I just didn't know how long it would take. And I'm very thankful that it got done in the fashion that it did, because as you mentioned, no games are getting canceled and therefore no players are going to lose any money as a result of games being canceled. Yeah. So yeah, baseball's back, baby. (laughs) It's back. And uh, before we start talking about this AL West and what's new about this season, Anthony, we got some, I want to tell you about some of the guests we have coming up on this show. So earlier this week, spoke with Valparaiso associate head coach, Luke Gore, got to, you know, a little pulse on what's going on with Valpo basketball. And he helped me talk about, uh, recap the first week in the tournament. Now for the second week of the tournament, we have a really great guest who's never been on the Jack Vita show, but is a Valpo basketball product was a very good player at Valpo and then okay. he ended up t- taking his talents over to Boise State. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about. Here. Yeah, who's that? Mr. Lexus Williams. Yes. Yeah, and now he's coaching over at Boise State, so right. he should be a fantastic guest, very knowledgeable. I mean, we knew all those guys on that team and he was yeah. far and away one of the most knowledgeable in terms of just the and, game a, and a great guy too, just in general. Fantastic guy. Awesome guy. Always fun to see him around. Super friendly. Big smile on his face. So should be fun. That's exciting. And, and also exciting is the Peacocks, man. And the, the Peacocks. Internet? Yeah. Jeez. What a what a story. Now that's what we love about the tournament, right, Anthony? Like when it comes to when 10 years from now, you're not going to think about the tournaments of, oh yeah, there was that time when North Carolina played Michigan state in the championship in 2009. That's not what comes to mind. What comes to mind is when VCU makes a run or Butler makes a run to the championship game. Loyola Chicago, like like Chicago. And now the St. Peter's Peacocks, the first ever 15 seed to get to the elite eight. That's That's what we, that's what we uh, root for. Right. Anthony has absolutely. I mean, I was, I went over to B-Dubs yesterday to watch the game and just going crazy for St. Peter's. Just <laughs> what we love to see is what March is about. Uh, and March is also about spring training and getting ready. Oh, for- yes. All right, Anthony. So what's different this year? We move into 2022, new CBA, finally got a deal done. A little bit of some uh, changes, something staying the same give me a little quick rundown on what we're looking at here this year in 2022. So what, in 2022, you'll, you'll probably have to jump in here too, but we got the yeah. universal DH, right? Yep. I know so, you're not a fan of that. I am a fan of that. So I want to, I think I've come around a little bit on the DH just because I think if it, if it were, if it were possible, what I would have loved is if we never had a DH, if we had remained pure yeah. in that sense. But the problem is you can't really 
you can't the the problem is that there's a DH spot in high school and in college and in minor league baseball. And with that, so many of these guys don't pick up a bat from age 18 to maybe age 28 when they get up to the show right, right. or maybe the guys in the American league up until he's 33 years old, he mm-hmm. goes 15 years of his life, not swinging a bat. I wish there was like, I, I wish we, we just had those guys swinging the bat through the developmental system, right. but we're not at that point. We're not doing that anymore. And I think because of that, it's an extremely specialized sport. Mm-hmm. And we don't see a whole lot of these Otani type guys coming right. up. And you make a you make a good point where yeah a guy may not swing the bat for ten years and then he's expected to go up against major league pitching yeah like ooh that's tough yeah that's so tough. I think what what we did can't be undone and then realistically just in terms of economics and what's good for players I mean look at how many starting jobs are now opened up fifteen starting jobs and mm-hmm. Kyle Schwarber just got that four year seventy nine million dollar contract with the Phillies. I don't think Schwarber is getting that much money if you have uh, the DH not in effect in the National League for the future. And really, this is going to be a standard. We're never going to go back to the pitcher spot. And I prefer, while I prefer National League baseball, I'm accepting of this change just because it, it was going to happen at some point. It's good for the players. And what we had done can't be undone. And hey, more runs, more, more runs run. in baseball. We love to see it. <laughs> My phone is ringing. Hold on. Okay. All right. So Anthony is hey, getting a call here. <laughs> All right. I'm back. Okay. We're back. So universal DH, we got DH spots in the national league. Now, do you think that impacts American league teams, Anthony? The, the DH affecting American League teams? Well, the fact that now now that you have it in the National League, maybe a little more comp- competition on the free agent market? In terms uh, sure, of- a little bit. But overall, I think it's, it's good to have both leagues on the same playing field, the same rules in that aspect. You don't have to worry about your American like your Ameri- – if you're an American League team, you don't have to worry about the pitcher batting when you go to an NL park. I think it's a good change just overall – Keep everything consistent. Okay. All right. What else we got, Anthony? Expanded playoffs, right? Expanded playoffs. So now what that's a that's a big change. Instead of five teams in each league making the postseason, we now have six. And this is another one that you know what? If it were up to me, I would have left it as is. I thought the wild card games were really fun. Mm-hmm. But I will say I th- I did write a piece a year ago and I said someday you're going to probably have 32 teams in Major League Baseball, add two expansion teams and then just adopt the NFL what they had done in terms of 12 teams making the postseason with that format. Maybe you have and at that point you have four divisions and that's a whole other conversation. Right. I, I, I do think we would have arrived at this at some point and as long as this is where we stop in terms of playoff expansion, where you really are, you're going to dilute the field. If you basically, they did something on MLB network where they took the last 10 years. What's the average sixth best team in each league win total. What would you guess? Um, 
87. Yeah, that's right on the money. 87 wins. 87 wins is a pretty good team. Yeah, it's a pretty good team. It's a good team. And then if you go to seven teams, which is what Major League Baseball was pushing for, I'm glad the players stood their ground on this. Then you're looking at an 84-win team mm-hmm. on average. And then in some years, you're looking at teams that don't even hit 500. Right. Um, and that's yeah. – we don't. I don't like that. Yeah, I think twelve. I think twelve. The way they have it now, I think it's good. I think it's fine. I think you're you're right. I don't want to really see any more than that. Uh, but twelve teams, you're still getting quality teams to the playoffs. I'm I'm a fan. Uh, and you get. I like the kind of NFL style playoff seating. I like that too. Yeah, and I I will say like the main thing that I think Major League Baseball doesn't want to ruin, which they I think they would have ruined if they expanded these postseason, is that people watch regular season baseball games a lot more than they watch regular season NBA games in terms of the local markets, because when you have these big series, they matter something, they count. If you make the playoff field too big, then there's no reason to watch the regular season. You just skip ahead to the postseason. Baseball is a fluky sport and you don't want, you don't want like a 107 win team losing to a 79 win team on fluke, something weird like that. So this actually, I do think there is still an incentive to finish with, if you're a division leader, you are going to try to, you know, get as many wins as you can. So you don't have to play in that wild card round. There's a, right. the, first two seed, the first two seeds, right? Get the buy, right? Yep, exactly. So there's a, a very nice reward for being one of the top two teams. And then similarly, the thing that I think we'll also see that a seven win total could potentially go up because now you're going to have more teams that are going to be fighting for that sixth spot when they might right. be running the clock out on the season. Otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, while it's not what I would have done, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, I know there is talk of a 14 team playoff during these uh, uh, CBA agreements too, or the talks too, and I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah, that would have been. You know, the other thing is they tried out that 16 team playoff two years ago during COVID, and what they've been talking about is like, oh, well, we want we want more teams to go for it. We don't want teams to try to rebuild because we want more guys to be getting contracts and et cetera. And what ended up happening when they expanded the postseason that big, the teams that were rebuilding, like made the playoffs still <laughs> like the Marlins Marlins weren't going for it. They got mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So I think this is, this is like a, a, a good spot in terms of, I think everyone's going to be pretty satisfied um, in terms of what we have going on yeah. now. Anything else, Anthony? Cause I, I got a couple I can flip to if you, yeah, you, you flip to them. I think those are the two biggest things for me. So those are two biggest ones. Now, for whatever reason, the runner on second base and extra innings is going to stay yep. for 2022. Mm-hmm. I don't like it at all. I think I'd be fine if you got to like the 12th inning and then you started, hey, we put a runner on first base yeah. and you get to the, sec- the 13th inning. Well, now we have a runner on second base. and But you should just play it out for the 10th yeah. inning. People aren't in that much of a rush to to go home and unfortunately what I think it turns into this version what we've seen is it's basically a sack bunt competition. You you bunt the guy, 
move him to third base and you got mm-hmm. two chances to knock him in right. or you have one chance where you could score the run on and out. And that's not very exciting baseball. You want to see, you know, walk off home run and you're never going to get that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of that either, but it's not a hill I'm going to die on either. Yeah. You know, um, I love seeing those long 17 inning games sometimes. It's just <laughs> yeah. fun. But I know some people don't like that. And it's some give and take. So, like, I wish it wasn't a thing, but also I'm not going to complain too hard. Yeah. And then we also have the Shohei Otani rule. Right. Which I'm curious as someone who plays in the division. So, basically, this rule is that for for before you couldn't let me get this right you couldn't move so like someone's playing right field he couldn't move over and go to the dh spot if he got hurt right i think so i i'm not super clear on it i just know that it uh advantage advantages the angels <laughs> <laughs> so basically it's it's I think you couldn't really mess with the DH thing before. If a guy was a DH, he couldn't go and play a different position in that game. Again, this is where I watched so much more National League Baseball that I barely even noticed that this was a thing. And now you can do that, I think. (laughs) I mean, it was basically the idea is Otani is going to pitch. And when he gets taken out of the game as a pitcher, he can still DH and stay in the game. He can still DH, yeah. So, yeah, I guess you couldn't take a guy out of right field and then move him to DH, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. But now you can. And it's, yeah. yeah. Basically, reading here, it just says, MLB and MLBPA have agreed to the Shohei Otani rule, where if starting pitchers are hitting in the lineup, they can remain as DH even if they are not replaced, even if they are replaced on the mound. So, just he can stay in the game, basically. Yeah. And then... The other really, I think the only other thing is that we're going to have 28 man rosters for the month of April because they were talking about, well, short spring training. We don't want to push these guys too much. So a little extra help. Um, In the first couple of weeks of the season, you're probably not going to see starting pitchers go too late in the games. Yeah. Um, So I'm, I'm good with that too. I like it actually, because I actually liked when they did the 40 man roster in September Oh yeah, because uh, there are so many. That was a really good opportunity for so many guys who are career minor leaguers to just kind of get <laughs> rewarded and get their cup of coffee in the show. Right. And I wish they still had that. And I actually would go a little further. I would say, hey, why not? I understand the idea that we don't want the final month of the season being played so different with these expanded rosters. But hey, maybe why don't we do that at the start of the season? And this is like obviously a much different version of that. Cause you're only adding three roster spots. You're not adding 15, but I kind of like it cause it gives, it will open up some more opportunities for some guys to compete for positions. And I know it's mainly, they're mainly going to stack their bench with pitchers. It's probably not going to be as many position right. players benefiting from this, but and, yeah. And in this day and age, you don't have starting pitchers going as long anyway. Yeah. So you kind of want a few more uh, pieces in the bullpen to kind of, lift that load a little bit yep uh in terms of other stuff i mean there's now a lot in terms of the arbitration and the money and 
that's boring. We won't get into that, but basically better situation for the players and the, the league minimum salary jumped up from like five seventy, I think is what it was. And now it's seven ten. Yeah. And that's, that's a significant change. So um, good situation. Let's play ball. Anthony's a huge Texas Rangers fan. You I'm going to be, I'm gonna try to be unbiased though. Good. I mean, there's going to be some bias. <laughs> I love my Rangers, but it's not like I have them winning the, the division or anything like that. <laughs> now, I will also add that hopefully for most of these previews, we'll have audio clips and voicemails that all have submitted from fans talking about their team, providing a little preview of what we should see this year. Now, unfortunately, this is our first preview that we're taping. And like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of time to start get trying to get these uh, previews and these audio clips out. So we only have one today and it's from Mario Lanza, a frequent on the Jack Vita show. And he's a big Mariners fan. So we're going to play that at the end after I'm done talking with Anthony. Um, But we don't have any other audio clips today. So I'm going to let Anthony get started here with the Texas Rangers. Okay. They had a very lively. What was that? We're starting with the Rangers. Did you want to start somewhere else? I'll let you start yeah. wherever you want. Hey, this is your show, man. I'm just ready to do it. Do whatever. I mean, the thing I like to do is if I have someone who's a fan of a team, I like to get them pumped up and start talking about their team at the beginning. It makes it all right. Let's do it. Man. Yeah. So the Texas Rangers. Okay. They had, you could say, a very exciting offseason. <laughs> $580 million spent this offseason, the most any team has ever spent in a single offseason. Um, that's the front office is making moves. And honestly, we needed to make some moves because we were pretty bad last year. Am I right? They were pretty bad. I think they won 60 games last year, 60 yep. and 102. 60 and 102, fifth place in the division like third worst in the MLB or something like that. Um, We needed to make those moves. We went out and got Marcus Simeon. We went out and got Corey Seager. We went out and got John Gray uh, from the Rockies. Um, We went out and made a trade for Mitch Garver uh, to really solidify our catching role. This is a a lineup that looks decent. Last year it wasn't. This year, (laughs) Simeon, Seager, Garver, you got it. A waiver claim last year, Adolis Garcia, who had a monster rookie season. He got fantastic. You got Nathaniel Lowe, who had a pretty his first full season last year and did pretty well. And I expect him to kind of make a step up this year as well. And he made some other acquisitions here. Brad Miller from the Phillies. We picked up him. He had 20 home runs last year. Uh, I think that's a good move. And I really like. this lineup, the, the end of the lineup is still a little weak, I think, with uh, Andy Ibanez, Cole Calhoun. I'm not sold on that pickup yet. Maybe it could work out. He had a bad season last year, but if he gets back to like 2019, 2020 form, that'd be great. And uh, you got Willie Calhoun as well. No relation to Cole Calhoun. <laughs> uh, and maybe, yeah, they, maybe, they don't exactly look alike. No, they don't look alike at all. Uh but hopefully he can pick it up too. So the front end of this lineup is great. The back end has some question marks, but we'll see what happens there. What do you think about the lineup? I think that it reminds me 
not quite, but a little bit reminds me of what the Rangers were trying to do in the early 2000s when we were growing up. They went yep. out and they made that big splash and they signed A-Rod and they had Rafael Palmero. Palmero was on that team. I forget yep. that, honestly. Pudge Rodriguez. Yep. Uh, they were such a fun team to play with in MLB Slugfest 2000. Yeah, I mean, that team had a, that team had players, man. Yeah, but they d- it didn't show up in the win total, and I think that could be the story this year for the Rangers. You know, it could be, but the, the pitching, yeah, the pitching is a weak spot, just like those early 2000s teams that had all the offense in the world, but no pitching. Yeah. So, well, say, we say, yeah, before we get into pitching, I'll add a couple other things. Yeah, and yeah. I like, um, you know, honestly, my favorite of the pickups is Marcus Semien. I think that guy is a true stud. I was surprised that he had to take a one-year deal last year with the Blue Jays, and he really established himself as his time in Oakland was no fluke. He is a an elite player in this league, one of the best middle infielders there is. He's yep. going to play second base. Now, I like Seager, but I would not have given him – they give him 10 years. 10 years, 325 mil. Yeah, I think that's an overpay. I mean, obviously, you have to overpay if you want Seager. Yeah. But he's had, he had Tommy John, right? Do you have Tommy John? I know he's had a big injury history. I don't think yeah. he's had Tommy John, but maybe it was, there's another shortstop who had Tommy John. Let me look it up. Uh, Corey Seager, Tommy John. Yeah, he had Tommy John uh, okay. a couple years ago. So that's not a it's it's weird because that's not an injury that position players get very much of. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be a concern for me. He has had a, a an injury riddled past, um, and that's something that would make me hesitant in terms of giving yeah. a guy a big contract. But he is in the prime of his career. I believe he's twenty seven years old, and I mean he's a superstar. Be- like there's no other way to put it is that that injury history is a little concerning, definitely, but I'm still glad my squad made that move and to just show that we're in this, we're going for it. You, you know, make a strong statement by, by making that move. Now, last two years, really his best. Well, no, he's had a lot of really good years. Um, so he is a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. I just look at last year. He only played 95 games. Yep. Um, 2018 was when he had Tommy John and then I guess 2020, he played a good amount in a shortened season. So his injury history would concern me, but he is a big time player. Um, and I do think that, yeah, I mean, this, this offense is, is going to score a lot of runs. I also like, um, let's see, there was one other guy I wanted to touch on here. I was looking at the roster earlier. And you got guys like the Rangers also signed uh, to, I think, minor league contracts. Matt Carpenter, who might play third base with Andy Ibanez a little bit. Also, Jake Marisnik, making wow. playing time in the outfield, too. And you got Nick Solak, who's Marisnik's still vying for a spot uh, in that lineup, too, this spring. Yeah, I like – I don't think Carpenter's going to be a high-impact guy. I mean, he might not be – I think he will probably start the year in AAA, if I had to guess. Do you think so? It just depends on how well good of a spring he has, man. Because Andy, I mean, third base is a hole. And if he plays well enough, he could fill that hole a little bit with a veteran presence there. Uh, I think it's a good sign just for depth if he can maybe come out of I mean, he didn't have a great year last year, but 
if he kind of comes out of that a little bit, hey, it's a good move. Now he did. He is a product of TCU there in Fort Worth, so he goes right. back home. Come um, back home. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty sweet story in its own right. Um, you mentioned Dolis Garcia. He was fantastic last year. Willie Calhoun has shown some flashes. So yeah, I'm on board with this lineup. It's definitely, if I were to think about in terms of lineups in this division, this this has the potential to be the best offensive yeah. lineup. Oh, it's up there Trump. definitely. And also, I wanted to say, we really did take a hit. We're, we were going to have Josh Young, our number two prospect, probably be our third baseman this year. And he tore it up in the minors last year. And he was looking primed to have a great rookie season this year. Unfortunately, he's out for six months. He, he injured his shoulder with lifting weights during the lockout. Oh, and he had to have surgery, so that's why Andy Ibanez slash Matt Carpenter is likely going to be playing third. Really unfortunate because we we're all looking forward to Josh Young, but it's a bad break. You're not, we're not going to have him this year. Yep. And uh, let's. I'll let you move along to the pitching staff now, Anthony. Okay, yeah. Pitching? There's a lot of question marks, to be <laughs> fair. I mean, I'm glad we picked up John Gray. I wish we picked up someone else. To get to this pitching rotation. In addition um, to John Gray, you're not saying that you didn't want John Gray. No, I'm not saying that. I wish we <laughs> additional. We also we did also pick up Martin Perez for his second stint with the Rangers. Um, he's not a guy that's going to win you a Cy Young, but he'll eat up some innings for you. Yeah, he's like a fifth starter. Yeah. Um, on this rotation, he's going to be higher than a fifth starter, though. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a good team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry. Uh, and I do like Dane Dunning and Taylor Hearn. Both of those guys, really young guys, rookies last year. Uh, and they had some really good stints. They also had some bad stints, uh, but they both had ERAs in the mid fours, over 100 innings. Uh, they both showed signs of being legit good major league pitchers. So we'll see if they can continue that kind of upward trend this year. I'm excited to see what they can do. At the end of the rotation, you have kind of Spencer Howard, A.J. Alexi, Colby Allard kind of vying for that fifth spot. It's just going to depend on who performs well, uh, who gets that fifth spot. Yeah, I don't love the rotation, but this is kind of par for the course of the Rangers. I know one of your favorite games to play when we were at Valpo was how many opening day starters for <laughs> the Rangers can we name? And you just go down the list. And There's it would a lot. Be- yeah, there were a lot of guys where you're like, oh, yeah, uh, Matt yeah. Harrison. Whatever happened to that guy? Matt <laughs> Harrison, Kevin Millwood, Scott Feldman. Um, <laughs> Tanner Sheppers was our opening day starter one year. Like, Yeah, I think. It's been a long list. And now we yeah, got John Gray. He's going to probably be our opening day starter. So John Gray is interesting because he was a number three overall pick in the 2013 draft. The uh, Rockies, I believe, actually wanted Chris Bryant, which is funny because they ended up getting Chris Bryant 10 years later. Um, Chris Bryant was the number two pick. John Gray was the number three pick. And the Cubs had the two pick. They went with Bryant instead of Gray. Gray had his best year in 2019 where he said 3-8-4 ERA. 2017, he did pretty well but didn't pitch a lot of innings. Mm-hmm. So for his career at pitching primarily at Coors Field. He's got an ERA over 4.59. So this is a, I, I would say, I would call it a reclamation project. 
in terms of you're taking a guy out of course field where of course we all know what kind of numbers the batters put up and how hard it is for pitchers to Mm -hmm. excel at that park. Um, He's got good stuff. Now he has shown some times where maybe his mental makeup isn't there in terms of like a, in a guy who is, who has that kind of great stuff. So there are definitely some question marks with him, but I am excited for him to get an opportunity where he's not pitching at Coors Field. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that too. And a, a four and a half year rate last year, that's not bad for Coors Field. Like, <laughs> that's not bad at all. Um, so I'm excited. He has, he's got good stuff. He's going to be in a much more pitcher's ballpark here uh, with the Rangers' new ballpark. The old ballpark was much more of a hitter's park, but now it's kind of shifting towards pitcher's park with the new one. So I like that move. Uh, next year, not this year, we'll get Jack Leiter into that in that rotation, likely. So oh, yeah. that's exciting too. That is exciting. I, I want to ask you: they have a handful of these young guys. I know you were pretty high on Colby Allard the last couple of years. Um, they've got Spencer Howard was at one point a really high prospect in the Phillies farm system. Dane mm-hmm. Dunning, you mentioned he did. I think he struggled a little bit last year, um, but he showed some some flashes in he had some he had some great games he had like a like an eight game stretch or something the year it was like less than two like he's shown definite flashes and, and he also he, did when he was with the white Sox too yeah, yeah so i'm curious which of these guys do you like the most in the rota- in likely the opening stay rotation i really do like dunning and taylor hearn mm-hmm. those are my i'm not sold on spencer howard uh, AJ Alexi and Colby Allard have shown signs, but neither of them have been consistent. So I'm not really sold on them at this point. I still like Colby Allard. We'll see if he can pick it up a little bit. And one guy that will probably start the year in AAA, who is the uh, MLB number 48 prospect, Cole Wynn, uh, is yes. likely going to be a very good pitcher and could be a midseason uh, call up. Uh, I like to I'd like to see what he can do as well at the major league level. All right, so Anthony, the over/under total from Vegas is seventy-four and a half. You're That's over so low, Jack. That is, I know I might be biased, but that is low with the with the talent we have on this team. That's low. Okay, so what? How many wins are you going with? I wrote down here eighty-six and seventy-six. No way, eighty-six wins. Okay, Eight wins. All right. They'll, they'll be vying, vying for that sixth playoff spot in the American League. I love your optimism. I don't want to kill your optimism and your <laughs> excited spirit, but this team, I I cannot see this team finishing above 80 wins. Like I say, I could see them a, around 500, but I don't think they'll get there. Like we talk about, in terms of pitching, there isn't a single guy on this staff John Gray included that I would have confidence in being consistent, being really an ace of rotation. Obviously the upside is there for Gray. And there are a number of these guys where if it, if it all came together, you're looking at a 90 win team that's in the playoffs. If, if it all maybe even better than that, if all these guys hit their potential and ended up being what the writers and the scouts the best version of those guys were at one point. Um, But 
I just see too many question marks in this rotation. Martin Perez is listed as a number two starter on their depth chart. And I mentioned, I think he's a fifth starter on like a playoff team. So unless their bullpen is going to really crush it this year, are you, you'd like the bullpen Anthony real quick? Not quite. (laughs) (laughs) So I think you're looking, I think the 74 and a half is a good number. Now, Thinking about where they're at in this division, I, I think I would go. I, I would go slightly over. I'll say seventy six. Okay. Um, that's, like no, that's fair. I'm going eighty six, seventy six. You're going seventy six and eighty six. <laughs> I know I'm the optimist here, but I really like the lineup. I think the pitching can surprise people. Dane Dunning and Taylor Hearn. I think they're going to have good seasons, man. And Cole Wynn could come up too. Like I, there's some good things that I like. And the offense is going to score runs. They lead the in major leagues right now in spring training and runs scored. And that's going to continue. So the best version of this is if they can do what the Red Sox did last year um, and just slug like crazy, uh, which they did to the ALCS. Uh, now they did end up having some more contributions out of their bullpen and some. There were a couple pitchers who really stepped it up. I think that the reason I would go. I, I the reason why I ultimately went higher is that I think this division, I'd say it's there are more wins to be had than last year because Oakland's going down. Ooh, so yeah. someone's got someone's got to take that place in terms of like a third place club because I think the top two are pretty clear in terms of who the two mm-hmm. the haves are in this division and the have nots. And I'm never sold on the Angels. Like we go through this every year. You know no. my thoughts on the Angels. So we'll move into the Angels here in a second, but. Um, I'll go with the Rangers at 76. I don't think it should be too hard for them to meet that over, but I don't think it's a slam dunk of a pick. Yeah, I I respect that, but you'll be surprised. I'm telling you, (laughs) let's move on. All right, let's move on. The Angels, you want to lead off with the Angels now? Because we mentioned them. And kind of like you were saying, I mean, the Angels, they got (laughs) some good players here, especially the top half of their lineup. Uh, But the bottom half of the lineup, not that good, and some questions on pitching too. I mean, you can't beat the first two hitters here, potentially Otani and Trout back to back right there, and then you got Anthony Rendon uh, playing third. That is a dangerous one-two-three at the top of the lineup. Um, and then you got guys like Max Stassi, Brandon Walsh, Joe Adele, Andrew Velasquez, like David Fletcher. That's not as exciting, right? No. <laughs> no. This is like, so the Angels, like you said, um, they're, so Jared Walsh last year turned in a great year. And yeah, he did. Joe, Joe Adele is another one who we talked to him about him a couple years ago. Pretty high on him. He struggled quite a bit. He's not great defensively. I think we all remember mm-hmm. his little blooper reel when he tried to rob a home run. It didn't work out well for him. <laughs> but um, obviously, there are a couple guys like that to watch and to like. I think that even with, I mean, with Trout, he's the best player in this league. We know that. But I'm on a. I want well, to talk about. You only had 117 at bats last year, so they're getting him back. That's that's big. Exactly. But 
how many at bats is he going to give him this year? Because, well, yeah, I mean, he again, he's he's played 130 ish games in most seasons, um, so he does typically play a lot. The one thing that I am interested in is I think this could be his last year as a, an everyday center fielder. I think he is going to move over to left field at some point. And the thing that I think could be interesting, some people have speculated, maybe he needs to cut a little bit of weight in terms of him being as strong. And it's not, I'm not calling him fat. He's a jacked guy. He's like a superhero. <laughs> but when you're trying to play center field and do as much running as he does with his body composition, maybe that's part of why it's, he, he does get injured quite a bit now. Yeah. I'm, I'm expecting him to play more than 36 games. That should be a huge, huge difference. Um, Otani, I think is going to be interesting because last year Otani had a historic season, which mm-hmm. is well-documented, but we did not, I, I don't think really anyone saw that coming. Yeah. And now there's going to be, extra pressure on Otani. I think he'll still have a really good year. I do think he's legit, but yeah, in terms of the rest of their batting order, I mean, Rendon was in, he's, he gets injured quite a bit. Yeah. He was, he only had 217 at bats last year too, and didn't really do that well in his at bats. He had a seven eleven OPS. Uh, sure. He was struggling with injuries, I guess, but hopefully For the Angels' sake, he could kind of pick that up a little bit. He does turn 32 years old in June, so he's starting to get a little bit older as well. Um, so they're going to count on him. If they want to have playoff aspirations, they're going to count on him to do well too. Yeah, and I don't think there's a whole lot of depth behind those guys. So like last year, Walsh stepped in there and he had a good year. and But really, there isn't a whole lot, I think, to write home about aside from – the clear stars on this team yeah. and even like a guy like Justin Upton. I mean, that guy, his best days are behind him in this league, which yeah. we've talked about in the past as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I like, I like Texas's lineup a lot more. Um, I think that lineup's going to be a little more consistent. And then in terms of pitching, they're sort of in the same spot with the Rangers in terms of, I, I guess I'll let you go. You got your notes on the pitching staff. Anthony, you're frozen here. Frozen? Oh, you're good. You're back. All okay. Right. Get going. On the- Otani, Otani last year had such a great season, 318 ERA. Uh, they picked up a one-year, $21 million contract, Noah Syndergaard, uh, who's only pitched two innings in 2021. Uh, he was injured the whole year. Um, didn't even have a great uh his last great year was 2018 at a 303 ERA. So he's trying to kind of pick up again uh, and trying to revitalize his career and got a pretty good contract to do it. So we'll see if he can be a good number two starter. And then you got guys, Michael Lorenzen, Patrick Sandoval. Um, Patrick Sandoval and Jose Suarez both had decent seasons last year. They're both young guys. Yeah, a year in the three but didn't even pitch a hundred innings. So we'll see if they could uh, kind of take over the three and four or four and five spots in that pitching rotation. It's a decent rotation. It's, it doesn't, um, it's not crazy good, but it's better than the Rangers rotation probably. Yeah. I actually think 
I'm not big on the rotation. I do think it's better than the Rangers. Like that's what I'm talking about. I think the Rangers have the upside to have the best lineup in the in the division and the worst pitching staff in the yep. division. Um, but with this pitching staff, there are a couple guys I like. I like Sandoval. Obviously, what's not to like about Otani? The Cindergard pickups like a good pickup in terms of a one-year deal. But if you're actually trying to win this division, you got to go out there and get Scherzer. That's the guy you need to. Mm-hmm. You need a, you need a couple of those kind of guys. It's not gonna you're not gonna move the needle with Cindergard. He's a good guy to take a chance on. But like you said, 2019, he had a 4.28 ERA. He had Tommy John uh, pitched two innings or what? Yeah, two innings last year, and right. then yeah, 2018 is the last time he had a, a great Cindergard year. That was a long time ago. That's four yeah. years. You're talking four years about. Ago. COVID in the between and of course Tommy John. So I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I hope for his own sake that this goes well, but it feels a little bit like a classic Angels pickup where they, you know, they already did this before with Matt Harvey, former Matt. True. But I will say that I like what they're doing with their bullpen. Their bullpen is clearly a strength with Raciel Iglesias. Uh, they went out and they added three really good bullpen arms in terms of uh, Ryan Tapera was fantastic last year with the Cubs and the Sox. Pe- um, uh, sorry, they they went they got Michael Lorenzen, which what's what's better than one uh, dual threat as I like to call him because everyone calls him a two way player. But really, every baseball player is a two way player except the DH because they bat and they field. Um, yeah. but they went out and they got another one of those guys. They got Michael Lorenzen who can play outfield for you. He swings a good stick um, and they'll use him out of the bullpen. He's a really good reliever. And then Archie Bradley comes over after a really disappointing lackluster year with the Phillies, maybe a lower pressure place to play. Um, Cause you got the Phillies fans who are going to boo you whenever you don't do well. So maybe he's a little right. comfortable, moves back out West again. Um, so I do like what they have in their bullpen. They're kind of taking a, a modern approach when you don't have a great pitching staff, beef up the bullpen. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't think the lineup's going to be good enough and consistent enough. Hey, that, like, that front end of the lineup is great, but that back end is less to be uh, not, not to be desired. Well, and all three of those guys, in terms of if you want to talk about a top three in a lineup, Trout, Otani, Rendon, they are, they're all guys who've been injured over the last couple of years. It's yeah. it missed a s- significant amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. So if you lose one of them for a significant stretch, as they did last year, you're going to fall out of this division pretty quick. So I that they've got the angels at 83 and a half. I'll go under again. What do you think? I went slightly under. I still like, uh, I think the top half of the lineup is going to help you help them a lot this year. Um, I, the pitching's not bad. I have them close to 500 at 82 and 80. Okay. So last year they won 77. I kind of like, let's see. So they're 83 and a half. I kind of like, um, let's say a two game improvement, 79 okay. and 83. Hey, if, if, if Mike Trout can stay healthy, he's the best player in baseball. He's going to give you yeah. some wins. That's true. Yeah. So maybe I should go. I'll go. I'll give them the 80. I'll give them 80 wins. Um, I just wish they had a, if they had a, like, 
just some either consistency in their pitching rotation or in their lineup. If, if they beefed up their rotation or they just had like a solid one through eight or one through nine, I, I would really like this team a lot, actually. But they're not there. I think they're an average team. They might end up being the most average team in the American League. So let's give them 81 and 81. Why not? Hey, cool. You're at 81. I'm at 82. <laughs> All right. So I went. Uh, we both went under. Um, okay. Next one, Anthony. How about the A's? All right. Let's talk about the A's. And there ain't much to talk about here. <laughs> there is. There's not much to talk about. And there's also a lot to talk about. There's. That's true. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I think I have the most notes on the A's because, gosh, it's a fire sale. <laughs> Like they're rebuilding, that's for sure. Let's check out this list of player of departing players, either by trade or free agency. Chris Bassett, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, Mark Canna, Mitch Moreland, Starling Marte, Josh Harrison, Jed Lowry are all gone. Like that's a good team right there, just them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and all those guys are gone. And gosh, this lineup is no. I don't like. <laughs> so who is on the team? <laughs> I mean, you got Chad Pinder. Chad Pinder, he's decent. Um, Seth Brown hit twenty homers last year. Um, Ron Murphy out of the Horizon League. Ramon Liriano, he's he's going to be suspended for the first twenty-seven games, but he's a good player uh, when he comes back. And then you got guys like Tony Kemp, Elvis Andrew. Elvis had a terrible season last year. Billy McKinney, who's a minor league contract guy who they signed. He'll yeah, he was the first day. They, they drafted him in the first round, I think, in like 2012 or 2013, something like that. He was a he's been a throw-in guy in a lot of trades. Like he came over in the big Jeff Samarja, Addison Russell trade. Right. Um, and then he got traded over the Yankees for Rollis Chapman. Um, now he's kind of like a, he, he was originally an outfielder, but he's not great defensively. They got him listed at first base here. Um, so he's a kind of guy, I guess, like if you obviously liked him cause you took him in the first round, you can pick up on the, pick him up on the cheap. Why not? Uh, and then they, the, I think the one guy who's probably the most interesting to watch. I don't know if he'll start the season in the bigs, but Christian Pache, who was the centerpiece of yep. that Matt Olson trade. Right. Pache has been compared to Andrew Jones, but really he's, he struggled at the plate over the last couple of years. Last year was in the minors pretty much the whole year. So, I mean, we'll see with him, but yeah. Yeah. yeah they're high on him and he's the uh, MLB 69th best prospect number, the A's third n- number three ranked prospect. Um, so he's going to get a good opportunity here to really show what he can do. Uh, and maybe the, He'll show what he can do. I mean, we'll see about that. One thing I wanted to say, the Rangers spent $580 million this off. You know how much the A's spent? Five. <laughs> no, less. Oh, dear. How much? They did have a few minor league contracts, but th- that doesn't count in the official spending. The A's spent zero. They did not sign any free agents to a ma- major league deal this offseason. Wow. What are you trying to say here? That is money ball for you. (laughs) Okay. I want to, I do want to talk about the A's here. 
I do think that it's very interesting because I've seen a lot of people who are kind of coming out with the takes like cheap team owner needs to sell the team. And I think we got to mention that this is a business. If you own a team, you're a business owner, you got to meet your bottom line. The A's do not have the same kind of money that a lot of teams do. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to spend as much as they can. And then at this point, like you tell me all they can spend is zero. (laughs) (laughs) No, they, they, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that they, they're, they're realistic about what their window was. And last year was the last year to really put the chips in on the table. Also, we should give them credit considering they let Semyon just walk. They didn't try to trade Semyon before his deal was up. So they put the chips in the last yeah. couple of years. And that's this is typical for the A's is they, they get a nice little run where they have three, four years. And the final year, they go out and they try to make the big move. So last year, they traded Jesus Lazardo, a pitching prospect that they loved who had struggled. And for Starling Marte, basically a straight up one for one. And they put the chips in. They knew last year was kind of the last chance of that run. And they did that in 2014 when they went and they got Lester and they got Samarja. And unfortunately for them, wasn't enough. Uh, and they ended up winning 86 games. Clearly where this team was going, they they really had to hit the reset button. So they, they're stockpiling guys. Now, obviously, you'd like to see them sign a couple of free agents, sign a couple yeah. of guys. Um, but... I will say that I think in order for really, if the A's are ever going to become a, a true spender and not like a poverty franchise, as people will call them, they got to get out of Oakland. I mean, if you take a look, yep. the, the Raiders and the Warriors got out of there as quickly as they can. I've been there. It's not the best ballpark. Probably it's, it's typically 30 out of 30 in terms of rankings in terms and in terms of facilities, it's not even close. It's not up to, honestly, it reminds me a little bit of schools like, like our alma mater Valpo in terms of what they're putting their facilities versus other teams in their league. It's just not, it's not a contest. It's not a, not an equal playing field. So they're not. And then you got to compete with the giants for fans. And it's not like it's an easy place to get to a game. It's not a great area. So I think what needs to happen is the A's need to get out of Oakland, build a new ballpark, and I think they will. And if I had to predict where they'll go, I'm, I'm guessing they follow the Raiders over to Vegas. Do you think that you mentioned it's the worst ballpark? Is it worse than Tampa? I haven't been to Tampa. That's uh, it, it seems like the consensus is that remember, like in Moneyball, there's so much about like yeah, vending machines, like yeah. you gotta pay for your own Coke and. Oh, stuff like that. You know, it's just, I I haven't been to Tampa yet. And honestly, like I've been to, I've been to an A's game. I had a blast. I think it was, they have great fans, which is unfortunate that they're going to have to leave those fans at some point. But in order to actually be a team that can spend and keep their players, Mm -hmm. they're going to need to uh, go out. They're going to need to make more money. And the way that they make more money is they build a new ballpark and they probably don't do it in Oakland. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, just going back to the the team they're going to put on the field this year, <laughs> lineup is not good. There, there are some question marks in the rotation because you got Frankie Montes and you got Sean Manaya, who a lot of people thought were going to be traded. They still could they're, be. They still could be. Right now, they're not. Um, if they're traded, that's going to make this uh, record 
even worse <laughs> because those are two legitimate major league great pitchers. Yeah. Um, the rest of that rotation is not really. You got Cole Urban who will eat you up some innings. He pitched 178 innings last year. Uh, Dalton Jeffries is a really young guy that they're, they got hopes for Brett Honeywell. Uh, yeah. How did they get him? I'm not Who's sure, that? but I saw that. I saw him on the, uh, the uh, expected rotation. Yeah, so he prospect at one point. So that seems like a type of guy Azer could take a chance on. Now there are a lot of these guys who I do not think are going to finish the season with the A's. Um, Loriano could be a trade chip. Manaya yeah. is probably is going to definitely get traded. I think Montes could get traded. Probably will if I had to guess. Uh, nope. Hoping the Rangers, you don't see many interdivision uh, trades too often, but we need some <laughs> pitching. Let's let's trade for one of those guys. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, I think they're going to sell anyone who's got value, except for maybe a guy like Murphy who's still on that yeah. rookie contract. Um, and they're it's going to take a couple years. They're going to get back eventually. But Stephen Piscotty, hey, you got to love the bringing Stephen Vote back home to the A's. I got my. Steven right. Vote uh bobblehead. Oh, do you? The NBA ref bobblehead. He does nice. his impression of an NBA ref. I don't think he I don't know if there's enough battery in here for yeah, I can't hear that, but um fan favorite, they bring him home. Other than that, if you want to talk about wins, they're at 70 and a half. I'm curious. I'll let you give your number, Anthony. I'm also going to pull up how they, this reminds me a lot of where the A's were in 2015, 2016, um, where they were just, they, they had, so they picked up some guys who were kind of on the cheap and they were, yeah. and God, 70 and a half wins. Like I think Vegas is crazy. <laughs> I think they're going to, this is not a good team in my, in my eyes. I was doing all this research and I was like, this is a bad team. This is going to be one of the worst teams, in my opinion, in the majors this year. Like, I have them at 61 and 101. 61 and 101. So I'm pulling this up right now. The A's worst seasons. So in 2016, 2015, those two years where they were really – in the start of that rebuild and they ramped it back up in 2018, 2019, 2020, they had that great run. And then last year they were good. 68 wins in 2015, 69 wins in 2016. Other than that, I mean, they don't, they have not lost a hundred since they haven't in the 21st century. Right. So, for whatever reason, they find a way to not be terrible. They do. They they somehow they seem to overperform expectations so often. But with this squad, I just can't see it happening. <laughs> <laughs> the last time they lost a hundred games, nineteen seventy nine. Well, wow. it's about so. to be twenty twenty two. Okay, going off that, I'm not going to go quite that low i will go under i i do feel pretty good about that under but i'm not gonna go all the way to 62 or lose 100 i think it's probably right in that range of like the 67 to 69 so i'll go 68 wins okay that's fair 
I think it's gonna be less. I say if you're a gam- if if you're listening to this and you're a gambling man, put all your money on the on the under. <laughs> don't encourage it. We don't have people with <laughs> gambling problems. Please, please play responsibly. Yes, there we go. All right, we got two more teams here. I think which which one do you want to do next? I'll let you lead the way. Um, let's let's end with the uh, the division winner last year. Let's end with the Astros. Let's talk about the Mariners real quick. Let's do it. This Mariners team is going to be fun, man. Yeah, I think so. Like, I have them as uh, I'll go ahead and give it away. I have them as the second place team again this year. Yeah, you um, did have them last year as second place, didn't you? You were you were high on them. Yeah, I was. Maybe no, you did. I don't think you had second place, but you had them. You had them above their win total last year. So. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right there. But this is a team that won 90 games last year. However, there's a caveat there. They had a minus 51 run differential. They they gave up 51, 51 more runs than they scored. So that 90 wins is, could have been a fluke, sure. But I think this is an improved team from last year. They made that big playoff run last year as well. They almost got there at the end. Didn't quite. Uh, they went out and picked up some guys this year, though. Uh, they got two more two all stars that in the in the batting order that weren't on the team last year. They got Adam Frazier, who was an all star with the Pirates last year, and they went out and got Jesse Winkler, who's just bashing homers for Cincinnati. So the lineup is not bad. I mean, you got Adam Frazier. Ty France had a pretty good season in his first full year last year. Yeah. Hit 291. You got Mitch Haniger, who had 39 home runs last year. You got Jared Kelenic, who struggled mightily, especially when he first got caught up. But the guy has potential, and I think he's going to uh, come up a little bit this year. And then the bottom half is not as great. I mean, you got Abraham Toro, Tom Murphy, Suarez, who... Uh, only hit 198 last year, but had 31 home runs for Cincinnati. <laughs> so you got some guys there. I like the lineup a little bit, especially the top half. And then you sign a Cy Young winner, Robbie Ray. I mean, an already 90-win team, you made some massive improvements to this team, and you got guys coming up. Like, have you heard of Julio Rodriguez? The guy's a monster. Yeah. He is like, the... What number? He's number three overall prospect on MLB.com right now. And I, I'm not sure. And I'm not up. I'm sure uh, your, your guy Lanza will tell us more later in this podcast. <laughs> but is he going to break camp with the major league squad this year? I don't know. I and mean, that's a that's a good question. But he's actually, I, I if I had to guess, I'd say probably not. They have a lot of outfielders already. So I think what they're going to do is they got Hanniger, Kellenick, and Winker. That's your outfield at the right. start of the year. Kyle Lewis is coming back from an ACL, and there are concerns about him. Lewis will probably DH whenever he comes back. Mm-hmm. And then I guess it'll be interesting because. Yeah, that is a crowded outfield. I didn't really think about it. Where's Rodriguez going to play? He'll play. He certainly will play. Uh, Winker's another DH candidate, so maybe they do some kind of platoon stuff. Yeah, Helenic, he 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 showed you know some high highs and some low lows last year. Hanniger's a really good player. Like Hanniger is not talked about enough. Yeah, I mean, 
Great player. Absolutely. Yeah. He was especially down the stretch last year. Guy was just mashing. Now they did lose Kyle Seeger, who surprised a lot of people when he retired. I don't think anyone right. was seeing that happening. And he's a what good could been, What could have been interesting, the Rangers actually tried to get Kyle Seeger to come out of retirement and play <laughs> third base. And that left side of the infield could have been Kyle and Corey Seeger. <laughs> that would have been sweet. Yeah, I, I do think that's going to be like, that's a loss. I will say that. Like, if you look at their lineup, who is the veteran leader of this team? Because Kyle Seeger was that guy. I mean, maybe Hanniger. Hanniger's not. Hanniger is, I guess he's 32. Yeah. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's definitely a veteran. How old's Winkler? I mean, Winkler's. Kind Winkler of a is uh, 29, or he'll be 29 this year. I think those um, two guys. Are there. He is a guy who's stepping into the clubhouse for the first time this year. I I think Seager is he was their kind of leader of that club. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean Suarez is also a veteran, so they have a veteran presence. I also think the other thing with Suarez last year, why I'm, it's weird because he's moving from a big time hitters park to Seattle is a little more of a pitchers park, so. That's typically interesting when you got a guy who puts up big stats and Great American Ballpark is one of the places where right. really isn't as hard to put up big stats. But in Suarez's case, they sort of fooled around with him last year and they were playing him at shortstop at for before Jonathan India came up and they were doing some interesting stuff, kind of platooning and mm-hmm. Moustakis was over at second base at one point with that team. Like it was it was strange what they were doing with some of their, <laughs> with some of their platoons and their lineups. And Suarez was at short, so he goes back to third base or he DHs some, and you know maybe maybe has a nice bounce back year. He was a guy who not that long ago was one of the true stars in the National League. He was mm-hmm. he had a Silver Slugger one year. Um, so the lineup's good for sure. Pitching is going to be. Uh, do you want to talk pitching now, or did you? Yeah, have I mean, to add of on? course, you got Robbie Ray like headlining this rotation. Huge sign for the Mariners. Yeah, they really show that they're going for it. Um, and you got some good pitchers behind them. I mean, Marco Gonzalez had a solid season last year, three ninety six ERA. Chris Flexen out of nowhere kind of had a really good season last year as well. And they got some the two young guys that likely will be in this rotation. You got Logan Gilbert who was a rookie last year. They're, they're, they're looking for big things from him. And he got Matt Brash, who likely could fill that fifth spot, who is the MLB number 98 prospect. And the Seattle farm system is still, like, churning out guys. He's, like, number six in the Seattle farm system, but still in the top 100 in MLB. Um, so I like the rotation. I like the lineup. This is a solid, I think, all-around team. Um yeah, like I'm excited to see what Julio Rodriguez can do in that lineup, maybe midseason. I don't know. Yeah, Logan Gilbert was really good for him last year as a rookie. You mentioned Flexen. Gonzalez has been a staple of consistency for years now. And yeah, you add a true ace to that rotation, which I believe Robbie Ray is. He's the reigning Cy Young. Yep. Their bullpen is really good. They have a, a good bullpen. Paul Seawall, Diego Castillo. Drew Steckenrider. There's some big arms in that pen. Thing that I think will be really interesting. You mentioned last year 
negative 50 ish run total or uh, run differential. What was that number again? Yeah. Minus 51. Yeah. So that typically isn't a good sign when you want to predict the team's future success because they won a lot of close games. They also won a lot of games in extra innings with the, they were, they were kind of the masters of that um, new ghost runner on second base. rule. They took advantage of that. I think they started out maybe 10 and 0 or something like that Won their first 10 um, extra innings games. So, I mean, that, that would be, if this team was the exact same as it was a year ago, I would predict them not to win 90 games. However, they add some new pieces and I am cons- I don't think they're done adding the fact that they went out and they got those guys from the reds. The fact that they went out and they got Adam Frazier, who is a really good player, which we, we didn't talk about him very much today, but he was an all-star last year. I don't think they're, I, I'm not convinced they're done adding pieces. I think they're going to be in the thick of things in this divisional race. And, one thing I'll also add is they're at safe, uh, Safeco, right? That's their ballpark. Right. Yeah. Yep. Safeco was so electric last year. One of the best fan, you know, in terms of crowds, it was really fun watching those games. Um, there's a lot of excitement in Seattle. I think they'll add more to their team. I don't think they're done. Um, but yeah, they, the outfield is going to be also interesting because another guy, Taylor Trammell was a high prospect at one point. He's in their, triple a team so they have some chips if they want to make a a trade um so i think what they'll do is they'll they'll play the season out they'll identify the needs and they'll see what's out there on the trade Mm -hmm. market their over under total is 83 and a half which is surprising to me i'm definitely going over same here what's your number so last year they won 90 games i think that was a little fluky because of that run differential, they weren't that. I don't think they were that good. I mean, Seattle fans are going to hate me for saying that. Sorry, <laughs> um, but I think they made massive improvements this off season, signing some of these guys. They signed a Cy Young winner. So my record is not a big improvement from last year, but I think this team is so much better. They're going to win. I have ninety-one and seventy-one. 91 and 71. I think that's a really good number. And I think I'm actually going to, I'll take that same number as you. Oh, nice. I'm, we'll lock that in. I like 91. Um, I think they're going to be in contention for the division. I do think that we'll talk about the Astros in a second, but you know, the thing is the reasons why I know, I understand. Yes. Last year, fluky season and all that stuff. I think this division is, I think it's easier because I think the A's, the A's are going to take such a major step back. And yes, sorry. I disagree wholly with you. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. I don't think this division's easier. I mean, you have the Seattle who just made massive improvements. The Rangers made massive improvements. Um, well, let's talk about what's around Seattle. Let's take Seattle out of this. So the Rangers, I think, are going to make a move from like 60 wins to 76 wins. I don't think they're going to be 25 games better than they were last year, as you think, um, which is we already discussed that. And it's what happens when you spend $580 million. I think the Angels are probably, we talked about them. I think they're probably about as average as, I mean, they're an average team. 
I think the big thing is that last year, the A's led the division at certain points in the season. And we're talking about them regressing from an 86 win team to what you said was like a 62 win team, which is 24 games. That's 24 more games for teams to win in this division. Now, obviously you're basically attribute giving distributing all those wins to the Rangers. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think there's, I think there's four solid teams in this division and then there's the A's. Okay, I think there are two good teams in this division. I think four solid. I think there's two really good teams, but I think there's four solid teams. I would say there are four competitive teams. I don't know if I'd say solid. I think our definition of solid is different. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay, but yeah, so basically, I think the the fact that the A's are going to take a significant step back this year opens up. Like the last several years, it was A's and the Astros. Someone's got to push the Astros. and. I don't like any of these other teams to really move into that role yet. Um, and maybe the maybe the Mariners aren't quite there yet. Maybe they're not the true rival to the Astros. Maybe the Astros end up winning this division pretty handily. But I do think I I think the Mariners are going to push the Astros. I think they're going to be that number two team in this division, and mm-hmm. I do give them a legitimate chance of winning the ALS. Here. Oh, I think they have a legit chance as well. I don't have them winning, but I think it's going to be close. And they have a such a great farm system compared to Houston, who does not have a single top 100 player. Yeah, let's talk about Houston. Yeah, let's talk about them. They got, I mean, the American League champion last year uh, lost in the World Series. They won 95 games last year. And you look up and down this lineup, it's pretty good. They lost Carlos Correa. That's, of course, a big loss. But, I mean, you still got Jose Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez. Like, these are good players, man. And then uh, the guy that's going to play shortstop this year, a really, I mean, like I said, they don't have a single top 100 prospect, but this is a solid guy named Jeremy Pena, who Altuve, just a couple days ago, said he's going to be a superstar. And that's what Altuve said about Pena. So we'll see what happens with him. They're really high on uh, Jeremy Pena at shortstop this year. And the lineup is good. I mean, even the bottom of the lineup, you got Kyle Tucker, Chaz McCormick, who had solid years last year. Um, it, it's a good lineup. Yeah, so I think the Astros, so they lose Correa which is significant, but honestly they've been without Correa several times before in the past, right? He typically doesn't play more than 110 games for him. That's only happened twice in his career, I believe. Um, So let me pull that up really quick. I'm sorry. I just got a text message of my sister asking me if I wanted Taco Bell and typically, uh, I never look at my phone, but you know how that goes. Taco Bell. Taco calls. Bell always a good move. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, the Astros are going to slug once again. They're in a hitter's park. They're going to score a lot of runs. They're a lot of, I mean, I don't know. I don't really feel like I have that much to add to the Astros. Now, you were talking about Pena at short. What about Aletimus Diaz? They got him listed as their shortstop on the depth chart. 
who oh, did it? I, I, he had a really I, good rookie year with the Cardinals back in, I want to say 2015 or 2016. Okay. Um, when Johnny Peralta was out with his suspension, Diaz looked like he was going to be the next great Cardinal and his career hasn't gone in that trajectory. He was over the blue Jays for a little while. Um, so, Hey, maybe another nice reclamation project, but I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll add one more thing. Tucker is a guy who I think is one of the better players in baseball. He's not talked about a whole lot. Yeah, he's good. That he's, he is, he could be a, he might end up being a superstar in this league. He's still really young. Uh, he's 25 years old. He was a high prospect. I think part of the fact is that he plays on the Astros and the Astros. A lot. We, we all know the other guys. We talk about the other guys so much, right. um, not Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, but you know, the other guys. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, no, I think, I think Houston's going to be fine. I think they're going to score a lot of runs. Now, obviously the, the clock is ticking on them. They, I mean, where's Verlander, by the way? We'll talk about pitching. You want to talk pitching now? Sure. And I like what you said about the clock is kind of ticking. They have a lot of guys that are getting older. I mean, Altuve is about to be 32. Brantley's 35. I mean, some of these guys are getting up there. And like I said before, they don't have a whole lot in the farm system, at least highly rated prospects. So they got to... Time is ticking, and but let's talk about that pitching. I mean, Verlander, of course, another older guy, and he's coming back this year. He pitched six innings in 2020. Didn't pitch last year because of injury. Uh, I've looked on Twitter. He so far has looked pretty good in the spring training. He's up to he's reached 96 miles an hour for a guy that's 39 years old. That's pretty good. <laughs> so he's headlining this rotation. They expect big things out of him. And then you got a bunch of young guys after him who pitched really well last year. I think better than a lot of people expected from this rotation. Frambar Valdez, Luis Garcia, uh, Christian Javier, Jose Urquidy. I don't think I'm saying that right. But all those guys. No, that ERA, was actually pretty good. Urquidy. Yeah. Urquidy. All those guys had ERAs around three and a half or lower. Um. So they got a solid rotation. And a lot of those guys are just young flamethrowers who have pitched well so far in a, a brief time period. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because I they really outperformed expectations last year. And mm-hmm. Garcia was fantastic. Valdez was really good in that postseason in 2020. Berkidi's shown his flashes. I mean, I, he was really good in 2019 postseason. And Presley's a great closer. There, <laughs> it's so it's just like I, I was so surprised, honestly, last year of out of what they got out of their rotation. Now, this will be the telling year to tell: is this the next era of really, really, really good Astros pitching? Or are, you know, were some of was some of it a fluke? Yeah. Is are these guys truly as good as we've seen them at as their best? Is someone gonna get hurt? Um I'm not I mean, I I I, I like the rotation a lot. I'm not sold on it as like repeat and go back to the World Series and win the AL Penny a second straight year. There are probably some other teams that we'll talk more about in these 
preview, but I do think it's pretty open in the American League. I I have to favor them to win the division, but at the same time, I know 2020 was a short year. They did have a losing record that year. A number of those guys had down years in that short amount of time. Team is getting a little older. I the clock is ticking. I I would expect them if they are as good as they were a season ago or in that ballpark in terms of how good they were, they're going to be aggressive at the trade deadline. They're going to improve their roster because this could be the last stand. This could be the last year of the Astros as we know it. And conversely, honestly, I, I wouldn't be truly shocked if, if they disappointed in some regard this year. Now I have to favor them based on, everyone else in this division, but I'm not, I'm not riding the Astros all the way back to the world series. No, I mean, uh, I think they're they're I think they're a legitimate contender for that. Oh, totally. uh, I'm not picking them to win the world series, but I think the le- legitimate contender. And uh, I think the lineup is really good. I think the bull, the, the rotation is really good. They're a complete ball club. The rotation, probably the best in the American league West. Um, what's the over under on them? Their over under is 91 and a half. So I think that's a pretty good number. I think so. We we both we locked Mariners at 91. I'm gonna say that the Astros win 90 93. Yeah, I think it's gonna end up being close. That's exactly what I wrote down. 93 and 67. How about that? Yeah. So that's that's that. Anthony, we we knocked out the American League West. Is there anything else? I'm excited for this season, man. I'm excited to see everything, how it turns out. See if our predictions end up correct. <laughs> see what my Rangers can do with this new revamped lineup. It's going to be fun. You you got a World Series pick? I don't put you on the spot. It's okay if you don't. I know you put me on the spot. I haven't... I mean, I've just done a ton of research on the American right. League. Send me. Well, how about this? Send me. I'll do the, the my playoff stuff when I get to the final leg of this in a week or so. Just okay. send. You can send me your division winners and your World Series pick if you want me to read it on the show. And like, I week. mean, I got, I, I got who I think is going to win the World Series. If you want me to say it, yeah, go for it. I mean, the Dodgers lineup. <laughs> so you're the Rangers for a second? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Like the yeah. Dodgers, that lineup is scary. So I got to go with them. Yeah, that's a pretty easy selection. Um, I'll give my pick a little later on. All right, last thing I guess I'm curious about in this division. You've got, you know, it's like the Bachelor. We got six roses to give out to teams in the American League to make the playoffs. How many roses are you giving out to teams in this division? Oh, goodness. So of course you got I think the I think the Astros and the Mariners are making the playoffs. So two roses there. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm go, I'm also the same way. I'm not giving out any other roses. So but I, dude, I think the Rangers are going to be vying for that sixth spot come September. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. I hope you come back on here sometime in their season and you're like, Jack, you were so wrong on the Rangers. I was right. They're crushing it. Yeah. I think it'd be really fun if the Rangers were. I think, once again. I think it's going to be a fun end of the season. And I think they're going to be 
competitive at the end of the season. All right. Okay, Anthony, we should wrap up. We're already an hour 20 deep in this. So uh, what would you like to plug and put out there? I mean, I know you're killing it over there in Midland, Texas as everyone's favorite meteorologist. Uh, why don't you tell people how they can follow you on social media or if there's anything else you'd like to plug or promote while you're here? Hey, just social media. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Anthony Franz. You know, I come up pretty easily there. And on Twitter, at Anthony Franz WX, which stands for weather. So follow me on social. Um, Watch newswest9.com, all the shows, four, five, six, and 10. I'll be there doing the weather. So that's how you can follow me. All right. Excellent job, Anthony. Thank you so much for coming on. You crushed it today, man. Just like the Rangers are going to do this season. <laughs> all right. So that's my conversation today, the preview with Anthony Franz. Now, uh, I'm going to get to this voicemail message that Mario Lanza uh, sent me. So we're going to play that. And uh, let's. This is what Mario, our Seattle sports guy, who's been on the show several times. Mario, of course, from the Survivor Historians podcast, and also Staff Picks, uh, his movie podcast. Um, and he also has a website, funny115.com. Um, this is what he had to say about the Seattle Mariners. Hello to all you friends of the Trident, and welcome to the season's first installment of Trident Talk. I don't know if you've been paying attention, and judging from the attendance, you haven't. But the Mariners have a chance to actually be pretty good this year. All right, uh, enough of the Bob Euchre impression. That's my major league tribute. Uh, this is Mario Lanza once again, joining the Jack Vita show and all the Jack Vita heads out there as we discuss the 2022 Seattle Mariners. Again, once again, I'm Mario Lanza. I'm from Seattle. I've been a Mariners fan since 1981. So I have been there through the good and the bad. I have uh, listened to the current generation of Mariners fans who are possibly the whiniest fans ever on the internet. And uh, I've been through it all. I've, I've seen it all. I've been, I've done it all. I've been in the kingdom. I was there in 95 for the playoffs. I was there for everything. Anyway, so Jack asked me to join the show and uh, give my thoughts on the Mariners this year. I guess I'm the official Mariners guy, which I know is a very coveted and heated title. I'm sure there were many people vying for the Seattle Mariners guy on the Jack Vita show. But uh, yeah, he asked me my thoughts on the season. And uh, as I alluded to in my intro, the Mariners have a chance to be pretty good this year. And pretty much most Seattle fans, other than, again, the whiny ones on Twitter who will not shut up about not signing free agents, uh, aside from them, most observers believe Seattle is definitely a team on the rise. I would 100% agree with that. Uh, a couple of years ago, we started our rebuild, and it's just starting to crest or at least begin to crest now. We have a whole influx of all this new talent coming in. Uh, Julio Rodriguez being the big one who, uh, I mean, they have been warning us for years when this guy hits the majors. That's when S gets real. That's when, uh, that's when we got our future superstar here. And this is the year we probably see J Rod up here. I don't know if he'll start the season in Seattle, but again, he's not the only prospect that's coming up. You got Jared Kalanick, who we saw a little last year, but the guy I'm actually the most excited about is a pitcher named George Kirby. And he's the guy that's supposed to be up this year. This guy, impeccable control, never walks anybody, has this unbelievable command. And then all of a sudden, in the last year, he started throwing 98 and 99. His velocity went up like four miles an hour. So all of a sudden, this guy has a chance to be unbelievable. Again, 
you should never get too invested in prospects because, you know, for every one that pans out, three or four don't. But Seattle has so many coming through the pipeline, just right behind Kirby and J-Rod. There's a whole slew of them. Noel Marte is in there. Uh, Matt Brash, Emerson Hancock, uh, Levi Stout, all sorts of names coming up. So it is indeed a great time to be a Mariners fan. And, uh, and again, I know those are dangerous words. My wife would be the first one to tell you. To, to tell me, she'd be like, you say that every year. You say this year they're going to be good. And I'm like, yeah, but this year I have the statistical knowledge and the baseball experts to back me up. This is going to be the year. Now, I don't think the Mariners are going to win the World Series. I don't think this is the year, but I do think this is the year that begins the stretch that will include the year. So I'm predicting right now, let's see. Yeah, sure. Why not? Mariners, 85 to 88 wins, maybe 90. I don't think they're going to like blow people away, but they are going to do well. That's my prediction. If they don't do well, it's going to be kind of heart crushing this year. It's going to be a rough one. And I say that as a Mariners fan, you get used to the team losing. That's just how it goes. So, you know, no biggie. Don't take it personally. This is the first year where we've kind of built our hopes up a little, and that's a dangerous place to be in. So I am warning people right now that if Seattle, you know, starts slow, they start like 10 and 20. There's going to be a lot of, I hate to say suicide watch, but there will be a lot of very flustered and heartbroken Mariner fans that will be ready to panic and will ask and beg Jerry DePoto to go make trades and everything anyway. So it's, I hate to say this, but it's particularly important Seattle starts off well this year. This is a very important season in our history because this is, I think, this is the one where if we win, it's not going to be a fluke. Last year, we got, what, 90 wins? We almost pulled out the division title. That was all just smoke and mirrors. That was luck, and basically Scott Service and DePoto and the you know, the, the bullpen staff turning this bullpen into a bullpen of the gods, that apparently that's the thing in Seattle. We take your cast-off relievers, we change their grip, we change their whatever, and all of a sudden they're unhittable. And that's kind of what happened last year. All these nobodies became unhittable. And it wasn't because of our offense that we won. We really struggled. We got, what, no hit? I kind of forget, but there was a big stretch last year where we were, we were almost getting no hit like almost every game in like May or June. So like Seattle's offense is not going to wow you. It's the defense or the pitching, I guess, is the big thing. So I'll just kind of go around the uh, infield. Uh, first base, we got Ty France, one of our big surprises last year. Uh just come some guy we got from San Diego was San San Diego was supposed to be able to hit had a great year last year kind of surprised a lot of people not only that but he was surprisingly good at defense at first base that he was a gold glove candidate I think they said statistically he was the best or one of the best uh, first baseman in the American League so Ty France is one of the big stars in Seattle and this is kind of the put up or shut up year to see if he can uh you know, build on the success from last year. So first base in Seattle is pretty much set. I know a lot of people think Seattle could use a better first baseman, but France is honestly pretty good. He's not going anywhere, I don't think. We got Adam Frazier at second, big pickup we got from San Diego. I don't know a whole lot about him. People say he's good. He's clearly better than what we had last year, so I'm thrilled about him. J.P. Crawford at shortstop uh, had a great year last year. His offense just seems to get better and better. Like, he's probably never going to be a star, but he's a great defender. The guys love him. He was, he's a team leader. Uh, so there was some controversy in the offseason when DePoto said that we wouldn't make a run for Trevor Story or uh, Carlos Correa or any of these infielders at shortstop because we had J.P. Crawford. 
And a lot of Mariner fans kind of took offense to that. They're like, yeah, Crawford's good, but, you know, he's no Carlos Correa. So there is kind of a little controversy over that, how, how, uh, invested and dedicated Seattle is to JP Crawford. They really have flat out said he's the shortstop. Nobody can replace him. So this is kind of a big year for him to see if he's earned that, uh, status. I, I'm a big JP Crawford fan. I don't know if he's ever going to really hit all that much, but again, for a shortstop, it's a defense first position. He's as good as pretty much uh, most of uh, the American League shortstops. Uh, third base, we got the new guy from Cincinnati, Eugenio Suarez. I hope I pronounced that right. I don't really follow the National League. I don't know much about this guy. I just literally looked up his stats for the first time last week. I'm like, wow, this guy, he could be a huge candidate for a bounce back here. And again, he could fall and flop on his face. He's a, uh, as they say, it sounds like he has old person skills, so... We'll see. It's probably going to be a low average, high power. We'll see how that plays in Seattle. I suspect he won't be as good as defense as Kyle Seeger, who I really think Seattle is going to miss. I think people kind of got spoiled with him at third base for so long that it's going to be very foreign seeing a guy who's not Seeger, probably not as good defensively as we're used to. So I hope for Suarez's sake, he starts off strong because it's always tough to replace a big fan favorite. Uh, let's see a catcher. We got Cal Raleigh. Uh, he was a rookie last year. I have high hopes for him. He's one of our big prospects, supposed to be a big power hitting, switch hitting catcher. Uh, we got uh, Tom Murphy. Again, I don't think either one of those guys are going to wow the world this year, but Raleigh could be pretty good if he uh, builds on what happened last year. Again, he's one of our young guys. We just have a whole slew of young guys coming up to replace the old guys. Uh, then the outfield, we got Mitch Hanniger, you know, old faithful out in right field, uh, had a great year last year. Kind of surprised a lot of people. Like I, I think a lot of people. I know a lot of people in the uh, the Mariner blog community have said Hanniger, his skills appeared to be going down. His fielding wasn't as good. He was striking out more. His average wasn't as good. So they kind of expected him to start fading away last year. But he he had a great year last year. It was amazing, and he really came through for us in the clutch. And so like uh, for years it would be you know you got to go to the playoffs for for Ichiro or you got to go to the playoffs for for. Felix Hernandez, and then it was for Seager, for Kyle Seager. You got to go to the playoffs for Seager. Well, now it's Mitch Hanniger. Now you want to go to the playoffs for Hanniger because he's been there a while. He's one of our, if not the senior guy on the team. But yeah, Hanniger's the guy uh, the fans are kind of rooting for. If we get to the playoffs, they'll want to do it for him. Center field. Now, center field's going to be an interesting thing for the Mariners. We got uh, Jared Kelnick out there, who's not naturally a center fielder, and I've heard the reports are he's looking kind of rough in center field last both last year and in spring training. Uh, I expect he'll stay in the majors. I expect he'll hit eventually. He definitely had a rough patch last year. But again, you have to kind of look through his numbers because Kalnick started really slow last year and he was hitting like 130. And he got really hot the last month. He was one of our best hitters during the playoff run in Seattle. So it raised his average. Like his ending season stats don't look that great. But you look at his last month, he was one of our best hitters. He had really came a long way from that stretch he was in at the start. So I think he'll do pretty well this year. Uh, <laughs> I just, there's so many stories about Kelnick already in Seattle, basically that uh, he's so high strung. He has to learn to fail once in a while. I saw one Mariners blog say a good goal for Jared Kelnick would be only one F bomb after each strikeout, no four, no five after every single out he makes. He has to learn to chill out a little. Maybe get me, he'll get, I get it. He'll get out every once in a while. Just chill. So Kelnick, I think will be okay. I'm not entirely sure if he'll be in left or center. I'm not sure what's going on with him in left field. We should have the new guy from Cincinnati, Jesse Winker, who 
again, I don't follow the National League. I'd never heard of this guy. I heard we traded for him. I looked him up. And thank you, Cincinnati. You are the greatest team to trade with ever. Thank you for gifting us possibly the best left fielder in the American League. I'm I'm very excited to see this guy. I've heard a lot about him. Uh, he was a huge pickup. You could argue he was better than most of the free agents we could have signed in Seattle anyway. So I don't know why Seattle fans are bitching so much, but he was a great pickup. So, oh, and then uh, Julio Rodriguez, J-Rod, that's the last guy. I don't know where he's going to fit in. He will be up in the majors sometime this year. The buzz around this kid has been unbelievable. I'm like Felix Hernandez level big ever since he's, you know, made it to the States a couple years ago. And like, I've heard this guy, he's got power to spare. He's fast. He's tall. He plays defense. He steals bases. He's got the greatest personality. He's got star potential. He loves interviews. He loves the spotlight. I, again, this is the guy. This is Seattle's future, I believe. And I do think we'll see him this year. I don't know if he will succeed right away. He may struggle like Kelnick did, but I do think uh, J-Rod, as, as J-Rod goes, so will the Mariners go. If you see him up real early, it's possible because someone struggled, they needed to rush him up. I don't know, but definitely he will kind of be the face of the Mariners very soon, if not this year. I know this is going kind of long. Jack is probably trying to kick me off so he can go to the, you know, the whatever the Astros guy or whoever. Who cares? Who cares about the Astros? But yeah, so uh, again, the big thing in the offseason, Seattle tried to sign a bunch of free agents. We didn't get most of them. And that's what people are highlighting. Oh, you didn't get Chris Bryant. You didn't get Marcus Simeon. You didn't get any of these guys. But that's not correct. I remind people we got Robbie Ray, who was the reigning Cy Young winner, who's a fairly significant pickup to a team that, you know, plays in a pitching stadium with good defense behind them. So we got Robbie Ray. He was our biggest pickup in the offseason. Our, our rotation will be Ray, uh, Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen, a guy I'm really high on, Logan Gilbert. He's out of all the Mariners prospects who are not Julio Rodriguez, Gilbert is my favorite. I love Logan Gilbert. I think he's going to have a big year. Right behind him, we got, what, Matt Brash, George Kirby, Levi Stout, Justin she- Justice Sheffield, whoever we got. I don't know. All I know is the Mariners have a habit of turning no-name relievers into stars. And if we get good pitching and even an average to good offense this year, we will be better than last year. Absolutely. It shouldn't even be close. We actually weren't that good last year. It's just They just kind of got lucky. And before we go, there's one more name I got to throw out here, the wild card for Seattle, our reliever, Ken Giles, who uh, used to be on uh, what, Toronto, I believe, uh, former ace reliever. We picked him up last year. He went through Tommy John surgery, came back, and this year he will uh, be unleashed in a Mariners bullpen that was already really good. And we got Giles, we got Andres Munoz. There's there's a lot to be excited for in Seattle. So whether you're a Mariners fan or whether you're wrong, Thank you for listening, and back to you, Jack. I'm, Mario is pretty pumped about this season. I know I am too. So if you guys enjoyed today's show, make sure you all subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you are getting your podcasts from. We're going to be back very soon with an AL Central preview. And then we're going to talk some NCAA tournament with Lexus Williams, again, former Valpo basketball player. Uh, He also played at Boise State. Now he's on the coaching staff at Boise State. Uh, So we're going to talk about this run that the St. Peter's Peacocks are on. And hopefully by the time that I talk with him, the Peacocks have made the final four. Okay, so until then, guys, I'm Jack Vita. Take care, everybody. Bring in the dancing lobsters.